Singer-songwriter Gautier, whose real name is Wally DeBacker, has a passion for forgotten electronic instruments like the ondioline, the theremin, and the rhythmicon, which he discusses with instrument designer Mike Buffington in a special two-part series of Tell Me More. In this bonus episode, Gautier and Buffington get deep with Tufts undergraduate Max Kratzok about these lost instruments. Let's listen in. And so I noticed yesterday on the theremin table, you had a bunch of different instruments out there during the rehearsal. And so there were two different rhythmicons, is that right? And then, yeah. so yeah, if you could talk me through the differences. So um, when I when I met Wally, I, I told him about my desire to see this one that was in the Smithsonian locked away. I was, you know, was calling them every year and they kept saying, try back later. And <laughs> I, I tell Wally and he's like, oh, I was just in Moscow a couple months prior and I sampled and saw the one there in Moscow. If you really want to do this, why don't you go to Moscow? So we after working it out, we, we figured out how I could get over to Moscow and borrow the instrument for a few days. I actually took it back to my hotel room and took it apart. <laughs> <laughs> the original. The original, the original 1960s, mid-60s uh, Rhythmicon. I um, would say that it's brave of them to let you do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, the, the man who owns it is Andrei Smirnov, and he runs the Theremin Center for Music in the Music Conservatory in, in Moscow. So the theremin community is quite small, and, and everybody knows each other. So I, it wasn't the first time I had, you know, conversations with Andre. Mm-hmm. So um, another theremin friend of mine, who was also Russian, um, helped me out and kind of asked if Andre, you know, like Andre, he's like he needs some time with this. Do you think it'll be okay to take it to the hotel? And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so carefully took it apart, dealing with you know 240 volts and, and making sure not to electrocute myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but documented everything and then came back to America and started working on a replica of that. So I was finding parts on eBay, old German turntables and French movie projectors from the early 1900s and using all of these parts to build a replica as faithful as possible to the one I saw in Moscow. So the two instruments that you saw on the table yesterday, uh, one of those is that incredibly faithful reproduction that Mike made first of uh, about a year and a half. Um, yeah. As he said, of you know, diving really deep to try to find matched parts from the same places that Theremin um, sort of co-opted different materials from. Yeah, German turntable for two, two different turntables for two different motors. The whole bass is this really heavy yeah, piece of metal from cast. a French music projector, a it, French movie projector. And the, the, there's nothing useful about the bass except for the fact that it's holding everything down. So... <laughs> I, I, I had to sort of cannibalize this not well-preserved movie projector, but it was enough to make me feel a little bit bad. Like, oh, no, like this will never sort of live its life as a movie projector anymore. It's it's now... Well, we've kept all the other parts, so maybe we'll find some other, you know, original Wonder. contraption to build out of a leftover <laughs> yeah. parts of other, other yeah. things. But, but then the second instrument is the one that is going to be heard in the performance today. And Mike, uh, with all the um, all the detail and knowledge he developed, making that very faithful reproduction of the Moscow Rhythmicon. Um, this instrument we're performing with today is kind of like an updated, um, more stable, controllable, and more routable uh, yeah. instrument. So you did mention the uh, the Andioline, and there's a lot going on with the Andioline. Could you talk about different components and how it's played and what it can do? Uh, the Andioline is a, a small keyboard instrument um, with a really beautiful wooden case 
has about it has a three octave keyboard but a, a knob that lets you switch across up to eight different octaves it dates to a period from the late 30s to the 60s when there were other instruments like it other monophonic electronic instruments that had a tube based oscillator um, things like a clavioline or a Hammond instrument called the solo vox there are instruments from the UK, like from Tom Jennings, the, the Univox. Um, but the Ondulene, I think, really stands out from those instruments because George Jenny's work just really was out of the box when you compare the timbral possibilities and the expressive playing possibilities that these instruments offered. It's one of the reasons why maybe the Ondulene has maybe been more forgotten because it's not nearly as simple to restore as a Clavioline or a Univox. Um, and technicians, I think, have tried over the years, but maybe just not got that far with them. So that's what Stephen Masucci, the Ondulene technician I've been working with, and I have just been trying to push forward and a lot of digging back to try to work out how can we really get these instruments to sound like they did when they left George Jenny's hands in the 40s or the 50s. Uh, and they were all pretty much handmade by Jenny over the decades he made. Uh, it's unclear what the number is exactly, but it's a few hundred at most. So there's not as many Ondulenes out there as there are clavilines or solo voxes. But it's just an instrument that has still such great expressive potential um, when you restore it properly, when it really, you know, when it really functions the way that it did, the way he made them. Um, so we're very much just trying to revive that work as broadly as possible and, and put some of these instruments back into the world eventually so other musicians and producers can explore that. Mm. It's definitely an instrument I think really can't be captured uh, by, say, a multi-sampling process or offering a virtual version of it. It's so mechanical. And those other monophonic keyboard instruments I mentioned, like the solo voxes and clavulines of the world, they're also inherently mechanical, but there's these really deft, expressive mechanisms that George Jenny made. Uh, the keyboard can be wiggled side to side for a very expressive manual vibrato. Uh, there's a little box filled with a thin layer of asbestos under the keyboard called the progressive attack controller, which gives you these complex noise and transient properties when you hit the key really hard or when you ease into it softly really pioneering research he did at a time when people really weren't looking into to how transient aspects and the non-tonal aspects of a sound are super important to how we recognize maybe the what we recognize as a saxophone-like timbre or a piano versus a violin. So his instrument in this seemingly crude but actually deeply elegant way gives you these electromechanical ways to explore those those subtle aspects of different timbres that um, to me, to my ears, certainly put it streets ahead of it of the kind of cousin instruments from a similar period how would you say that this new uh endeavor with the rhythmicon differs from your last project with the ondioline uh they're all part of a range of projects um under the umbrella of uh, it's the name of a record label i've set up called forgotten futures that's what's released this compilation of jean-jacques perry's early work with the ondioline so that's sort of an umbrella for various projects i guess i'm trying to take a multi-pronged approach to the research and creating new possibilities for new work performance and stories to be told that you know there are instruments there are human stories um, and a lot of things that are forgotten or lost and I think when yeah when uh, multiple aspects uh, of those histories are explored and and maybe uh, either revived or combined or just presented in a really coherent way then unexpected things start to happen Absolutely. other connections are made so yeah it's exciting. There's, a, there's other instruments and other inventors involved as well and other brilliant people who I've been lucky to meet and who are helping me try to push these ideas forward. Yeah. There's, um, <clears throat> there's an institution in Melbourne that I'm really excited about that I've been helping um, over the years with donating some of my instruments that live in Australia and, and also helping with budget to start off what they're trying to do. That's a space called Melbourne Electronic Sound Studio. 
and they're trialling an idea of sort of a membership system where you build a community of members um, who then have access to a lot of otherwise inaccessible instruments, um, certainly a lot of things, say in Australia, that haven't been accessible before because not as many of these interesting older instruments have travelled over there over the decades. Um, so that has great potential. That's that's feeling really exciting. They're doing some brilliant masterclasses there and presenting concerts and the membership keeps growing. It's sort of creeping into multiple hundreds now. So even just in Melbourne, Australia, that's has surprised us yeah. in terms of the enthusiasm. And again, I think there's a range of wonderful things that come from the great democratising uh, of electronic musical instruments, you know, the development of small devices, um, smartphones, laptops, etc., beautifully created sample banks and virtual instruments. Those things are wonderful and they offer all sorts of incredible paths of exploration and new music to be made, but then they're just a different thing than the physical engagement you have with with some of these older ideas, mechanical, electromechanical instruments. So yeah, I'm hoping some of those energies are in different cities in the world can expand to try to have all those things move forward. Yeah, and for Because I think it's in the slippage between those different worlds that really interesting ideas foment. So for those of us who have never seen or uh, been lucky enough to play with a theremin ourselves, could you tell us a bit more about how that instrument works, being the only instrument that you can play without touching? So inside a theremin is basically three AM radios, two that work with the pitch and one works with the volume. And when you sum up two frequencies that are very, very close together, you will hear a very, there's a small difference. So that small difference is what you would, then amplify and send out through a speaker. And that that difference can be varied by fixing one of those radios and varying the other. So a very small change that your body makes on the theremin. Bodies have electrical charges, so touching, approaching a theremin, you're going to affect that radio, and you're going to change it a little bit. And then you're changing the, the difference of those. So you, you can get a, about four octaves of, of continuous changing sound. The other AM radio that's controlling volume, as your hand approaches this volume antenna, you are disrupting the amount of amplification. And so you can, with two hands, control pitch and volume, and you can articulate notes if you're careful. And you have to have a a very good ear to play a theremin because there is no keyboard, there's no fretboard, there's no physical space every single time that that's that note, and a little bit further is that note. So you have to use your ear and you have to compensate all the time. And it's difficult to go to that next note quickly. It's just a wild instrument to watch. If you haven't seen a theremin, like go on YouTube right now and type in Clara Rockmore theremin. It might not be here, but there's someone who does a really good uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. That's Peter Pringle. Peter Pringle. Mm. Well, I think one of the reasons the theremin still captures people's imagination is because of that simple but elegant aspect of that you know you don't touch it at all um and they're very human movements but something i find fascinating about it is because it's so difficult to play and it sort of requires you to deny all these very human i think sort of emotional impulses to sort of move your body and sort of sway you know if you can imagine the way sometimes a guitarist with a very physical and and movable instrument very portable instrument can sort of put their body into the instrument and sort of physically express some of the things that they're coaxing out of a strings you can't do any of that on a theremin because all those things have extreme you know um uh influences on the sound you're making so and and having spoken to a few really top flight theremins they they really see that unusual fundamental contradiction at the heart of it that you have to it's like you have to put any sort of emotional relationship you have with it deep into some part of your brain and then just fix yourself in this very specific 
static motor space where the tiniest motor movements of fingers and the arm allow emotional sort of or, or particularly expressive results to come about. So it's really fascinating. That's one of the reasons I think the instrument, um, even though really not many people can play it very well, why it still holds you know, holds this fascination. It's, mm-hmm. It is like magic. Yeah. And even if you can't play it very well, you can make some pretty cool sounds. You can, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of Tell Me More, featuring more from our interview with musician Gautier and instrument designer Mike Buffington. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also welcome your thoughts on the series. You can reach us at tellmemore at tufts.edu. That's T-U-F-T-S dot E-D-U. Tell Me More is produced by Katie McLeod Strollo, Stefan Hacker, Dave Nusher, and Anna Miller, who also edited this bonus episode. Web production and editing support provided by Taylor McNeil. Special thanks to Amanda Rowley and Paul Lerman. Our theme music is sourced from DeWolf Music. And my name is Patrick Collins. Until next time, be well. <laughs>